When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Starbucks Pistachio Latte will transport you to your happy place. The comforting flavor of pistachio, warm espresso and milk, all with a brown buttery topping. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Hey, Ray, how you feeling? I'll tell you what, my knees are a little sore today, and that means I need some CBD, I think. I have to agree with you on that, Ray, because I've had back issues since we've had our son. Plus, don't forget, you're an athlete. You're a big bicycle rider, so that gets you, like, you know, in occasional pain from, from the workout involved with that, not to mention what it does, the wear and tear on your joints. It's all part of being active and aging, and CBD as you said, mixed with a little medicinal really makes a difference in controlling the pain. You know, Marcus, when it comes to CBD, we have a new sponsor, uh, One CBD, and they have the right idea, I think, when it comes to making the CBD products that you want to manage your pain. They work with hemp farmers committed to sustainable development with the benefit of the environment in mind, which is important to people too. That's why they purchase only 100% organically grown hemp, totally free from chemical pesticides and fertilizers. Plus, they have a money-back guarantee if you are not satisfied with the product. We suggest you go to onecbd.com and check them out. That's O-N-E-C-B-D.com. And you can find out all the information about what their products are. Maybe you can just find the product that's best for you and your needs when it comes to CBD. And if you order after hearing them on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, use the code word BALANCE for 20% off your first order. And that order goes in at onecbd.com. Check it out. Hey, Ray. Yo. Had this experience I want to share with you. An experience? An experience, a really weird one. A weird experience. Yeah. Well, it could be weirder than doing this podcast every week. <laughs> oh, wait well, a minute. Life gets pretty fucking weird lately, I know. Yeah, really. Life has been weird the last bunch of months. But I was in the city. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. Wow, that does sound kind of weird. And I was sober. Was the werewolf sober? I have no idea. There was I guess no he help. Was. I wasn't going to go talk to him. I just happened to hear about it on the radio. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. And if by now you're not already wondering, what are these two guys babbling about? It's the latest episode of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, sponsored by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro since 2014. And it is also a new 
concept twist probably with us is a twist it's a new quirk for the imbalance history of rock and roll we're calling it famous first lines it's an important part of the rock and roll family tree because believe it or not these first lines of songs have inspired so many people but to you and i who listen to music those first lines sometimes are the parts of the songs that hit us hard in the feels and really pull us in and if a song can pull you in from the get-go you're hooked. And that's why we decided to focus on first lines. And these are songs that their first line or lines will set up the rest of the song. They instantly tell you a lot of the things you need to know what this song is going to be about if it's new to you. And when you hear this song that you're quoting, first off, for those who don't know and aren't in the bizarre cult of werewolves, where does that come from? Ah, it comes from the werewolves of London. Yes. And the story behind the, that's Warren Zevon again. If you're not indoctrinated, we're just making sure we're covering all, yeah. dotting all our T's and crossing all our I's. It's just one of those songs that ever since I've heard it as a, as a wee lad, I've always loved it. It's made me laugh. It's made me smile. It's made me bounce. It's made me move. It just makes you feel really good when you hear it. And I just, continue to every time I hear this song, love it. And I've been lucky enough to hear it several different ways over the years. We've talked before about the WMMR broadcast series from The Main Point, a long time gone. And this song, Werewolves of London, in some small part, maybe not so small, owes a lot of its infamy and fame to The Main Point and WMMR from the broadcast series. Of course, the one that we play is the version that Zevon did live on the air at MMR. Mohammed's on WMMR tonight, I guess. I've heard some talk out in the West Coast. I've heard there's a bizarre cult of werewolves in Bryn Mawr. I guess it wasn't just a rumor. I guess you know about how to who, how to howl, who to howl, whether or not the moon's full. Moon's always full, man. I'll tell you about it. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Bryn Mawr in the rain I was trying to find a place called Lee Ho Fuchs Gonna get himself a big dish of beef chow mein We play that now, but somewhere out there, Lush probably knows where it is too, somewhere out there there's a copy of Jackson Brown performing it live on MMR months before Zevon would come to town, which was before Zevon would go and record what would be on Excitable Boy, his version of Werewolves of London, inspired by the movie Werewolves of London. Now this is called the Werewolves of London. Now, everywhere above the Tropic of Cancer, where that foot's coming down, that's a snare beat. However, down in Jamaica, you know, that's where they put their foot. Now, this song was written by Warren Zevon. Remember the name, Z-E-V-O-N. (laughs) 
I seen a werewolf walking with a Chinese menu in his hand Through the streets of Soho in the rain And suggested by Phil Everly that... Was it really? Yeah, Phil Everly said... Where'd you learn that? It was in an article that I read where Warren and all them were talking about right. uh, the making of it. Rolling Stone did the secret inspiration behind Waddy. Warren Zevon's Warren... Or Waddy Waddy, Waddy not Woody. Woody. Waddy, Waddy. Don't get your Woody and your I Waddy cross, trust me. <laughs> my Woody creates a Waddy. Oh! oh hey, hey, hey. As long as your Waddy doesn't create a Woddy. Hey, oh! That but, you know, be, but Hello, Waddy Doctor. Wattel, who was, uh, yes, was the guitar player on that song. Song, even though uh, I think Rick Murata did a lot of the other guitars on the album. So he was co-writer with it. He popped that first line out. With Warren and uh, Leroy Marinell. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were stuck on the first line. How did they get to They had yeah. the idea, okay, it's going to be about this, and yeah. we're going to make it kind of gory in this. And then Waddy just popped it out, no mm -hmm. pun intended. It's funny that Phil Everly saw what kind of a sense of humor Warren Zevon had and what type of person he is that he would say, you should write a song about the werewolves of London because I saw this movie. I'm on this horror kick and boom. I think Zevon had that effect on everybody that encountered him during his time on this blue marble. And the funny thing is, is that they connected on the first Warren Zevon, the self-titled album, not the one Dead or Alive from 69, but the, the, the first album for Asylum. And so they kind of traded some spheres of influence there, you know? Funny that he wasn't on it or on that album, but you know who was playing bass and drums on Werewolves, the original one and only? Who? Do you know? I, I think do I got him, folks. I think you got me. Who? One of the most famous bass drum duos that works like a machine every time they're on stage or in the studio, John McVie and Mick Fleetwood. Fleetwood Mac, guys. I forgot about that. I knew that. I knew that. Wait a minute. I forgot. I totally brain farted. I knew that. That's right, because. <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> oh, it was uh, actually uh, Danny Korchmar uh, was the other guitar player. And didn't a few other people play that didn't get the right sound on it? And they had brought in a few other people to play some parts that didn't work during the recording of that? Because they spent a lot of time and money on this song. You know, Jordan Zevon wrote a book, and I haven't read it, but I'll bet you the answer's in there. We have to get that book. Get that book. We'll go to a local bookstore and order it. Yes, local bookstore. We suggest bookstore. go to your local bookstore and order books about anything, but especially rock and roll. You can get yes. any book you want at your local bookstore. Just ask. And it's funny how Jackson Brown just keeps showing up in all of these stories. Uh, like, I'll he's just you. there. When I hear Jackson Brown and Werewolves <laughs> of London in the same conversation, I immediately go to the breakdown. It's him and David Lindley. Because uh, uh, they did it completely different. And... So they kind of got everybody knowing the song. Werewolves of London. Werewolves of London. And then Zevon comes to town. And he gets up there and starts playing around. And this by then, he had become notorious for it and had become friends with WMMR. They're broadcasting the thing, and he's up there talking and playing the intro, kind of like vamping while he's talking about, Jackson told me there was a bizarre cult of werewolves in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, and everybody howls. And he goes, oh, I guess it was more than just a rumor. Yep. And, I mean, like the humor in it and the way he personalized it. And that kind of leads us to the most recent embodiment of Werewolves of London, uh, 
uh, which I'm sure you love. Uh, they call themselves the Immediate Family, and it's Waddy Wachtel. And it looks like he's got Leland Sklar and Danny Korchmar, who I just mentioned, as being part of the uh, guitar production team for Excitable Boy. Uh, Steve Postel and, uh, yeah, Leland Sklar and Russ Kunkel, oh, who cool. is like on every other record. You know, there was like all these guys, they were all on the same records together all oh, the yeah. time, and they did a lot of work together. So Waddy pulled them all together, and they did it remotely as uh, the immediate family. They performed together, but since they can't be together, they thought they'd do it. And it's, you can find that, by the way, thanks to Pantheon Podcast for uh, posting it. You can find it on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll's Facebook page and everywhere else, I guess. But I just think it's great that they're doing that. And then they had a little line they changed where it referenced, uh, it's always about the Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think there was a Liz Taylor reference at Live one point, and yeah. they said something about, because everybody in this band except for two have been fired by James Taylor, yeah. and I thought that was fucking hysterical, yeah. man, having some fun. And somewhere Zivon's looking on going, that's right, boys, that's what I said. Keep me in your heart for a little while. It's amazing the way he's able to personalize those particular lines in the songs and throw them to either members of the band or make them timely, I'm sure, to the locale of which where he was playing. And that's yeah. brilliance. Yeah, it really is. It also shows the ability to think on your feet or at least a plan to think on your feet, you know? And that's the way it came through when the man took a stage. And when we come back here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll, we'll talk about my first famous first line, which is also Warren Zevon. And uh, talk about the night I almost knocked him off a stage here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. But first... A sip of the brew. Hey, man, I've got great news for anybody who is a fan of Crooked Eye Brewery, our sponsors here on the podcast. They're reopened. What? That's right. They uh, opened last weekend with uh, just outside service, and they continue to fill growlers and crowlers in all your uh, 16-ounce cans needs. But they're serving in limited capacity outside. And as of Saturday the 13th, the music returns to Crooked Eye. That means there's going to be live music at Crooked Eye whilst you enjoy those Crooked Eye beers on the patio. The Crooked Eye band's going to kick it off, and they're going to be on stage on the 13th, and they'll be inside, and everybody who's listening will be outside keeping us COVID safe. Cool, right? Very cool, and you know what else I like about all of this, Ray? You can bring your own food and have sort of a live music, enjoy a beer picnic. Bring your Sammies, but also bring your masks and be patient and practice social distancing. That's a request from everybody at Crooked Eye, including Marcus and I. Yes, indeed. And remember, if you're looking for a place to go right in the heart of Hatboro, there is a place for you. Serving the cure for what ails you since 2014, we're talking about Crooked Eye Brewery and keep up with all the developments on their social media, mainly on Facebook. The best way to know what's going on today, tomorrow, and all this week at Crooked Eye Brewery. And there are adjusted hours, Marcus. They're closing at 8 Monday through Thursday, but open later now on the weekends as the music starts to return at Crooked Eye. It's Ray Coob and Marcus in the Darkest with a new concept here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. It's called Famous First Lines, and this is our debut edition. I think it's going swimmingly well so far, talking about Warren Zevon and your fave, The Werewolves of London. Yes, the story that The Werewolves of London tells is hilarious, funny, brilliant, and very lighthearted and very local, depending on where Warren's playing, as we've found out over the years. 
Well, that was a team writing expedition. But for my first song on Famous First Lines, I also want to reach into the same Warren Zevon songbook onto Excitable Boy for this little nugget. I went home with a waitress the way I always do. How was I to know she was with the Russians too? <laughs> now, it tells you everything you need to know about what the drama is going to be in this song, that it's going to be something, something's going on, okay? And if the first two lines don't clue you in, the next one gets you. I was gambling in Havana. I took a little risk. Well, the next line is kind of where you're headed. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this. And then the trademark Zevon, uh, you know? <laughs> yep. I went home. You know, it's written by Zivon Solo. So you're really getting the stream of consciousness that he had and that flowed out of him a lot of times when he was writing and, and playing. Different from the production on the other track, uh, uh, Werewolves of London, this one had Rick Murata on drums. Werewolves of London had hit in January of 78, and this single, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, was released in July that year. And so it kept Excitable Boy on the radio pretty much for the entire year of 1978. This song, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, was the one that really grabbed me more than Werewolves because of the imagery. And it's in the whole album, just, you know, Roland, all the different songs, they all have this vivid imagery going on. But when he says, you know, what the situation is and you realize it isn't good, and then the funny thing about this song is he goes in as an innocent bystander. Somehow I got stuck between a rock and a hard place and I'm down on my luck. And he starts screaming imploringly, right? And uh, hiding in Honduras, I'm a desperate man. Send lawyers, guns, and money. The, the shit, shit has hit, hit the, the fan. fan. And, and that's what it's really all about. And he puts it in a song. Now, I'm sure it kept it off a lot of radio stations, but people did do edits of it. And some people just played it because it was accepted artistic expression at one point, certainly in 1978. So, But the thing is, is that when you get those first lines in both these songs and I, you see it in this one as well you know i went home with a waitress the way i always do so right away you're thinking about the guy yeah. right you're thinking like ladies man yeah a bit of a ladies man maybe he's got a regular waitress like he had the same waitress all the time maybe yeah. maybe it's as simple as my girlfriend's a waitress but he says it i went home with a waitress the way i always do and then the next line just takes it way out of gonzo left field how yeah. was i to know she yeah. was with the russians too <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's the humor in it and the cleverness that always gets me in all his songs. It's just great. The song uh, plays kind of like a James Bond spy novel in some ways yeah. with the Havana reference, yeah. the Russians reference, the Cold War reference, hiding out in Honduras when there was no extradition to the United States at that <laughs> point in the 70s. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You know what, man? You are really good on that stuff. I'll tell you that. You should do an imbalanced history of world history. That's what you should do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> music way better. But, you know, when you look at it, there are all these alternate lyrics to Werewolves of London. I don't know that there have been a lot of alterations made to Lawyers, Guns, and Money. 
but it is a great song on an album that is stacked with him, An Excitable Boy. It really is a great album, and I think he referred to Werewolves of London as the third song in his horror trilogy or something like that, <laughs> and he had written two other songs on the album that were part of the horror trilogy, and again, he uses such great humor mixed with just bizarreness at times and but yeah you were saying about relevancy everly said you know why don't you watch a bunch of horror movies and then write a song and one of them was called werewolves of london and that kind of became the whole genesis of the thing but yeah you you get your inspiration from wherever and in that one it's real life plowing its way into the arts you know And Waddy also talked about the recording of this album. He said that for as easy as Werewolves of London was to put together as a song recording, it was the hardest part of the whole album, and they really hated it. Wow. And they were pissed that the label released that as the single, even though it blew up right away. They wanted something else because they thought it was just a silly song. Well, they maybe they wanted lawyers, guns, and money, and that's why they got it. Or excitable boy. Or, but the thing is, maybe the label guys were clued into what was going on in Philly and New York, and with this guy on the East Coast already, who who really didn't, you know, have the record out. He'd only had the one record that everybody had, Dead or Alive, really never had any traction at all. It, but the first record did, and they knew that they needed to get him out there and get him out to play where he could do that song because it was already popular there because he'd Mm -hmm. been there and because Jackson had been. You know what would be really cool is Warren Zevon played a bunch of shows during that time like the main point in different cities for radio stations. I would love to hear his Boston version of Werewolves, his (laughs) Dallas version of Werewolves, his Chicago version, but like if he played all those cities, his, you know, his versions of Werewolves of London and how he localized them, I think that would be really cool. All right, and I I, I love it. And if they exist, I want to hear them. But what if they don't? Don't exist, and what if it was only here where he had that kind of connection because of what Jackson did introducing him musically to Philadelphia before that? I'm just saying, hey, if you're out there and you're one of our many friends in radio who do listen to the podcast, and you know that there's versions, you know, about Cleveland or New York or anywhere else, please let us know because you guys have lived it too, and maybe we missed something there. Stations like WMMS in Cleveland might have a version. uh, NEW in New York, they did this stuff all the time. We were all the uh, metro media stations and that was part of the tradition was to allow money to be spent to broadcast artists that were breaking out because of your radio station it was pretty cool and you know what mmr is the only one that's still doing it true did i forget to tell a story that you wanted to hear oh yeah you almost did. you had mentioned earlier that you had uh, almost knocked warren zevon off a of stage what well you asked me hell? if i had met him before and i think we met briefly backstage and talked and very nice guy and all that stuff and uh, a bunch of people were there and i was coming off the stage I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I'll I'll have to go back and look it up. And I was coming off the stage, and he was just playing a solo stand-up thing. It was just him and an acoustic guitar coming up. And in the awkward exchange of space and pleasantries, I bumped him, and he was defenseless because he had a guitar in his hands. It almost went off the back of the stage. He had no chance of surviving. Uh. And the only reason he didn't, and I'm really, it was redemptive because I'd have the on my head for my whole life. But at that moment, I just reached out and grabbed, I made sure I grabbed his jacket and the guitar strap. So I know I'd have a little bit of both and I just yanked and he just stood up and he went, wow, that was weird. 
Thanks. And then he walked out on stage, ladies and gentlemen, Warren Zevon. He goes out and performs. What an interesting human being. And I always appreciated that he didn't get on stage and talk shit about the big goofus in the back who almost put me into the cheap seats. (laughs) He could have added that to Werewolves of London (laughs) and some. (laughs) There's some big goofus knocking me into the third row. Oh, my God. Well, these are the fun lives that we live in rock and roll. Sometimes you intersect with people directly and uh, in a physical way that can almost knock them off the stage. But it doesn't happen too often. Thank God for that. At the same time, we all get to experience the music the same way as fans of the music, as music that we feel, as music that we love. And there's a common relatability that we can share. I remember one of my buddies, uh, we were all Eagles, Jackson Brown fans. We, we had J.D. Souther records. We were into the whole thing, right? Somebody got Excitable Boy. I was a young dad, so I took like some time away from the family, and I went off to hang out with my buddies and have a couple beers, and then we played it. We must have played it twice. And from that moment on, that was probably when, it, when the album first came out. I've been uh, a big fan of that one. And then I went back and got the first one and went back and got Dead or Alive. So, you know, you, you appreciate a man's work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you get into it and you, you do that. But So to do this first episode of Famous First Lines with two songs from the great Warren Zevon, just makes me happy, Marcus. You know, I really wanted to do a Famous First Songs, and I think we had originally spoken about doing our five favorite first lines, but there's so much to talk about with a lot of these songs and the opening lines and the relevance, and we can get all yeah, bongosophical yeah. about it. But no, I was thinking about Famous First Lines in five. I'm thinking, wow, in the 80s, that killed yeah. you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many great songs that we have listened to over the decades that are... 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, five years old, two years old, six months old. But those opening lines really make a difference in pulling us into those songs. If you look at your brain as a Spotify thing, you know, type thing, you know, how many thousand times have you listened to this song or that song? And Warren Zevon's uh, Werewolves of London, certainly one of those with a high spin count in both of our brains, dude. Oh, without a doubt. If they were collecting royalties on our brain spins, they'd be rich. (laughs) We'd be in trouble. We'd be bankrupt. But that wouldn't be anything new. That's why we call ourselves the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Sponsored by Crooked Eye Brewery in Hapro and online at crookedeyebrewery.com. Ah, so much fun. And now we got to come up with some more of these famous first lines. If you have uh, a song you want us to do, famous first lines, maybe it grabs you. Let us know. Maybe we can accommodate you and uh, get you into the flow here on the podcast. That would be a lot of fun to yeah. uh, break down first lines of people who hey, listen to the podcast. Maybe next time we go live at Crooked Eye, we could do one of those famous yeah. first lines. Bring your favorite famous first line. We'll do that. And that'd we'll get be it very right cool. Then. Yeah, that'd Good be idea. a lot of fun. So if you want to participate, the ways to do so are on Facebook. Our page is The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. On Twitter, Imbalanced Histo. And you can email imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. And if you're out there listening on an app, don't forget to give us a little like, you know, give us the, as many stars as you feel. And thanks for those of you who have done so, especially on Apple Podcasts, because I, I think it matters a lot on there. I know it matters on everything, but if you're on Apple Podcasts listening, just give us a little love wherever you can. And thanks for tuning us in there on the Pantheon Podcast Network or, you know, Spotify. We mentioned them. We, we give them yeah. crap sometimes, but they do a great job for us. And we thank Spotify for uh, continuing to uh, be one of the main places people go to get this silly podcast. 
podcast of ours, Absolutely. Buddy. And then you have like CastBox FM, Player FM, who sure. have been great yes, as they well. Yes, Podbean's really doing great. And thank you to everybody, no matter where you go to get it. And uh, thanks for being in touch. Those of you who are starting to reach out on the Facebook page, uh, we've come across a couple of people, um, including a teacher from Wisconsin. Uh, his name escapes me. But uh, we, I, we want to get involved with you, sir, and your class. If you are indeed going to teach youngins and we can help in any way when it comes to rock and roll. One of the reasons we came here in the first place to do this podcast was to, uh, to teach people about the music that we both love so much, really. Well, till the next time we do just that, my friend, let's line it up and sign off. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. We'll catch you next time on The Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Ray and Mark is here to promote something we're really excited about. Our upcoming episode with one of the authors of the new book, Brother Robert. Subtitled Growing Up with Robert Johnson. We will speak with Preston Lauterbach, who co-wrote the book with Anya C. Anderson, Robert Johnson's half-sister. And in our interview, he gives us a view of how his book will affect blues history. I, I think it will certainly add a, a personal dimension to it uh, that fans of Robert Johnson have lacked. People keep asking me, well, you know, does this book explode the mythology? And I really think that those two portraits hang side by side. He gives us insights into the mindset of Robert Johnson as he made his way into adulthood. You know, you have to remember that he grew up with... Uh, several different last names and you can only imagine what kind of an identity crisis that would cause with a person. And he gives us a glimpse of why the long-held notion of Johnson as a loner was wrong. Robert didn't divulge his family history around his blues friends and he didn't really go into uh, his music career with his family and so he very deliberately kept these lives separate and yes we will discuss the devil (laughs) we will release our interview and what we see as the truth about this important figure in music history on july 6th to set the table we're re-releasing our two episodes about robert johnson and the progenitors of the blues on june 29th and july 2nd to whet your appetite for this exciting new storyline about the great robert johnson catch all of it here on the imbalance history of rock and roll on the pantheon podcast collective or wherever you get your podcasts and the devil was walking side by side it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 